Welcome to Elemental Fun, a historical and cultural look of the elements of the periodic table. fun my name is grace my name is cindy and we are coming to you not live from a global pandemic we're going to talk about science stories separately yes if there's any delay or over talk that's because we are skyping each other and um doing um no we we have seen each other in person right but six feet masked outside yeah yeah all that walking but we're not going to record together no not inside anytime soon so um, but we're doing a science stories today yes science stories yes so i have two short ones and you have a shorter one yes so i'm going to start off go for it and i found this cool thing about zebras (laughs) yes do you know why they have stripes to confuse the predators when they're Mm -hmm. together and they can't tell the where one ends and where the other begins that's what people kind of think but nobody knows it is baffled scientists for ever all right right so they now have a i love the the topic of this the mystery of why zebras have their stripes has baffled scientists now a dazzling answer (gasps) <gasps> but wait, I thought my answer was true. The Krat brothers have let me down. Oh, yeah. Mm-mm. So mm. they, um, they've looked at a bunch of different ones um, as to why. Um, they have examined, and this is the professor Tim Carroll at the University of Bristol School of Biological Sciences has examined and discredited many popular theories, such as using as a camouflage from predators, mm. as a cooling mechanism through the formation of convection currents, which oh, never heard that one. I know. I was like, wow, I don't think it's that complicated. Um, and a role in social interactions. So those are all been kind of discredited. Um, mm. So th- why they think they the, the, the stripes confusing the predator, it's they think it's they don't think it's that because it's too flawed when looking at the scientific data. So I guess they looked at that and it really just doesn't pan out that that's really what happens. Hmm. Um, so instead mounting evidence suggests that it is parasitic flies that are confounded by the zebra's distinctive pattern. To keep away parasitic flies. Yeah. So what's cool. So So think about. hmm? They can be confused by the, by the stripes, but a a lion can't. Well, I mean, I suppose they could, but that's not the driving force as to why. Because ah. the, the the lions still kill zebras all the time, you know. Valid, valid. So do they not have parasitic really flies them. on them? The the zebras? zebras. Yeah. So the, so what they looked at is these blood sucking horse flies. Which if you've mm-hmm. ever seen a horse fly or been bitten by a horse fly, it hurts like a mm-hmm. It's they're wow. nasty. Yeah. yeah. Um. They so they went. They looked at the, the researchers looked and they saw that these horse flies would approach horses in striped rugs as often as plain rugs, but they failed to land or slow down when they got close. 
Mm-hmm. So they would they'd be they'd go like, oh, it's a horse or it's a zebra, whatever. Okay. But then when they got there, they're like, ah, where's the land? Where's the ground? I can't see it. I don't know what's going on. So think about a barber pole. Okay. Right. So this is what's called the aperture effect. So it's an optical illusion for human vision, and it's also known as the barber pole effect. So the moving stripes on the rotating barber pole make us think that it's going, continuing to go up when it's it's not. Right. Right? Yes. So they set out to see if this illusion takes place in the eyes of biting flies that come to land. So they, they basically, they're going down, they're like, oh my God, the ground is moving. It's like you're, they're drunk or something, right? <laughs> like, oh, why is it so dizzy? I don't know what's going on. So... As any fly approaches its landing surface, it adjusts the speed according to how quickly the surface expands across its vision, right? Okay. Right? So you can slow down and control the landing. As you can you know, think about that, you're landing down, you're like, okay, it's getting closer, 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 and there you go, right? Right. But the stripes could disrupt this optic flow through that aperture effect, making the fly think that the surface is farther away than it is and thus not able to land or slow down. And just slam right into the zebra. Right. Or, yeah. Or it's like, <laughs> ah, okay. So, hey, on the ground. Interesting is that they found that the aperture effect is not the mechanism behind the confusion of the flies. Because um, comparing the fly landings on horses wearing striped versus checked rugs. So, it isn't that. But, um, since the, that isn't the case, you would expect the flies to land on them without difficulty, yet they still don't they when it has that pattern they can't they will hardly land on checked or striped rugs at all so the stripes themselves are not what's deterring um are not unique at deterring the horse flies other patterns can be effective too so it's not specifically that the curving striped pattern but it's just the pattern itself um is messes with their vision somehow so even though it's not the that specific aperture effect it's something with how the, they will land on the on the horse or the zebra and it messes with their landing. So to pattern. get zebras as their own species with their own stripes, unique to anything else, there must have been something that happened evolutionarily wise where there were like like all evolution, there must have been like either those ones with stripes were not getting diseases from the horse flies. Right. And that's what slowly weeded out ones that didn't, because it must have been an abnormality to begin with, because that's how Yeah, that's how it works. works. Like some indication <laughs> that some ancestor to the zebra popped out with some stripes like that. You may not exactly like that yet, but right um in that pattern and those ones survived and did better because those parasitic flies you know maybe that was really bad for the rest of that population and they really you know hurt them and they died so then that one came out so it apparently parasitic flies are the driving force behind the patterns and so they were talking about it and saying it's um It'll be great interest to farmers attempting to reduce the damage caused by fly bites and even general horsefare companies. Like, I'm, if I if I could figure out how to not have horse flies land on my horse, especially when I'm trying to ride and he's trying to buck them off, <laughs> which has happened. I remember I remember looking behind and this big old horse fly landed on his butt and he's like trying to kick it off. And I'm like, ah, get off it. So if you could figure out what this is and 
you know, you could have blankets that have that on there. Yeah. And so then you, the, the flies like stay away from them and stuff. So it could be pretty cool. Cool. Yeah. So I thought that was very interesting, especially zebras. They're so cool. Like, why do they have stripes? Hmm. Maybe because of parasitic flies. Huh. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, my science story came from my favorite website, I effing love science. Nice. Um, it is, um, it was titled Sunlight and Darkness Offer a Fast Path to Making Salt Water Drinkable. Ooh. So. That'd be huge. Yes, there's a new method to desalinate. Desalinate? Desalinization. Mm -hmm. The water. They're called MOFs, which stands for Metal Organic Frameworks. Okay. They are are so porous that an MOF the size of a sugar cube has the actual surface area of a football field. What? Yeah. So. That's a lot of holes. Right. So they've been using these to... um, they found that it actually it traps common salts. So Professor Huan Ting Wang of <laughs> Monash University, he added um, a poly oh lord cryolate, also known as a PSP, to an existing MOF, and it now it now it, now these catch um, common salts. Hmm. But so before, cool, before they wouldn't do common salts, they would do other things. They, they'd catch. Okay. I'm not sure what they, but they were porous and they might be, but this makes it catch common salts. Now, the cool thing is, is like, I've, you know, you're like, okay, great. But then it gets full of salt and you can't use it. Right. right. Well, cool thing. Ultraviolet light releases the salt from the MOFs, making them reusable. So you just like do you collect all the salts, then you take it out and zap it with UV light, and then you have to pour yeah. a little water through it. Okay. Oh yeah, because the then, then it releases it and it goes out with that water. Yes. Mm. So, um, this it uses very little energy. You just need the water pump, right? Okay. And it only takes thirty-four minutes to go through a cycle. It takes thirty minutes to filter the water, mm-hmm. and four minutes to flush it clean okay. in ultraviolet light. So there's some setbacks. It's not ready yet. And here's some of the setbacks. Um, it works best with more brackish water and not ocean water. Not full they found that full yeah. ocean water, it took so much water to flush it out. <laughs> it was like not really useful. But they're, they're hoping to um, get it to the point where it can do salt water. But it can do brackish water. They found mm-hmm. that... Um, this kind of filtration system could work in a household. It's potential to clean bore water or city water. That's entire supply is not quite adequate. Hmm. Um, so some of the problems as well is um, as of now, like long-term, these MOFs um, are only used 20 to 30 times before they kind of lose their ability to um trap the common salts okay so that like long term wise they're not quite there but it's good potential Mm -hmm. and wang is also hoping to explore whether other pollutants such as bacterial contamination can be used Mm. with these and so it might be a i'm going to use this you know 30 times and then i might need to make a new one but it will clean my water for those 30 mm-hmm. times so i just thought that was really cool because the amount of fresh water in our world is very limited so you know what only 
freaks me out though, and I don't know if this is really founded, but we we talk. Yes, freshwater is is a valuable resource, and we don't have enough of it in many places. But like, if everybody went to then desalinating, like if every single person on this planet did that, like the we'd run out of ocean. <laughs> I mean, I know we wouldn't, but it just it seems like there would be more consequences to that than we're thinking about if if that was the only way we got fresh water now. Well, I don't think we'll ever get to the point because of our water cycle where we would only be dependent on... I know, we're humans are pretty talented at messing things up. Valid. That is a valid <laughs> point. Um, what's really funny is in my notes, they're called MOFs, but then mm-hmm. halfway through my notes, I started using the acronym MOUs, which is actually a bargaining term for <laughs> the teaching. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a special bargaining contract that the union makes with school districts. And Wait a minute. Like, it's like, why what does this have I, to do with desalinization? Why did my acronym change? Oh, that must have been on my mind a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you're right, Cindy. We're, we're pretty good at messing things up. I'm a little concerned. Like, what is this PSP? What is the MOF made out of? Is there right, any possibility that that like, could be uh, toxic? Right. Not, it didn't really go into it. It's just mm. a new potential research that's coming out. Right. I mean, and it could course. be great, especially for areas where, like, the, you know, the water is really an issue. And so if you can get fresh water from that, that's fantastic. Right. And, and not from, like, the ocean, but just more right. brackish water. water that, and he said that he took some, some water that was too salty to drink. Like mm-hmm. it, like it, it was that, yeah. damaging right. and he w- put it through the system and was able to drink. It became huh. pure just her ish. So, you know, he's, yeah. it's not a discovery yeah, see, too with, with brackish water though, too, is a lot of times those, that that is areas that are smaller and more, it's more delicate because there is, a difference of how much water is there as to how brackish that water is, right? So if the water evaporates off, if it's really shallow, you're going to get the water that's left there is going to be more highly salinated because the water is evaporated. Mm-hmm. So if you're not taking uh, large amounts out of that, how is that going to affect the ecos- at the ecosystem level what's happening to the animals there and the what left water that's left and how that works is interest to me. Yeah, well, I again, I don't know how... I'm thinking it's more for just um, the possibility of already established um, homes or cities. Right, right. Okay, yeah, we're not like just going in and raping, not, the, raping the nature. <laughs> right. We're not just going in and, like, taking the ocean water and being like, right. bye, who cares, ocean you know we can't. We probably can't run out of ocean water, though, right? No, I know that, but it's just, it's the it's the the... <laughs> It's not logical side of my brain that just imagines everybody taking everything and that, that at some point if it wasn't getting replenished it would just go away and obviously yeah. it does get replenished but there are there are limits to things yeah so and there are well, seven billion people on the planet so you know i have a feeling when we get to that point there's probably going to be quite a few catastrophes that have already knocked our numbers right. down significantly so if everyone in the world did that it wouldn't be as big of a number as it is now right. unfortunately yeah so there's that yeah that's the as long as our water cycle keeps going it'll still 
cycle around. All right, let's go cool. to your store, your second well, story. Well, this That's is actually fun because that goes straight into mine because now we're going to talk about dolphins. Okay, that that's live a perfect segue. In the ocean. That uh-huh. we'll have plenty of <laughs> I see what you did there. You see? Clever. So this one was cool because um, it's about a dolphin, first of all. That's what makes it cool <laughs> in the first place. Cindy's not biased about dolphins not at all. Not at all. Um, it's like she it has a porpoise or something. <laughs> I see what you did there. I study porpoises. That's why that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> it's not funny that you had to explain. It. No. Um, so the this one is about a dolphin and about their blowhole. So just a, a brief cover here of um, Bio 101. Bio101 blowholes. So there's the the mystici, the baleen whales. And they have two blowholes, but it's it's one hole, and it, then it has, like, two holes within that. So it looks like, you know, your nose. Like, there's two nares, basically, at the top. Right. But, and odontocetes, the whales, the dolphins and porpoises and uh, toothed whales, um, they have one blowhole. So it's just one hole at the top. Okay. So that's the, that's the basis of why this story is cool. So the scientific paper came out, and it's this uh, pantropical spotted dolphin. Uh, Stenella attenuata. So again, supposed to have one blowhole. And they have these pictures, and it's got two distinct blowholes. So not even like the mysticete where you have one hole that has like the two nares. It's got one blowhole and then a little mini blowhole next to it. <laughs> so and just just random has another blowhole. And just an odd mutation, it seems. Yeah, so something happened. And so, you know, it was a wild animal. They were uh, on a a other, like, research cruise, and these animals came by, so they took pictures, and they have these great pictures of this animal coming right by the boat so they can see the whole breath, you know, coming out, opening, closing, going back under. Does it breathe through both holes? Apparently, because it it opened, it it seems that they have control over both blowholes. So the musculature around it, it opens and closes distinctly because it's it's not like they're it doesn't look like they're connected there's a a distinct like i know i'd probably say a couple centimeters of of tissue between the two blowholes um and it seemed like they were able to um open you know the muscles open it and close it just fine uh and it's an adult so the one thing that's great about spotted dolphins is they gain spots as they age so you can tell by the pigment the spotting patterns what what relative age calf juvenile adult Wait, so dolphins are like us and get more spotted as they get older well certain dolphins the spotted dolphin species spotted, are obviously yes. not like <laughs> not <laughs> spotted spot. dolphins but yes they gain huh. spots as they get older like so a, this one looks to be like a, a modeled or close to fu- uh, fused individual, which is the categorizations that they use for um, adults, young adults and adults. So it's obviously that it's fine. Like, yeah. there's no, it's been, you know, it's it survived just fine with it. There's no like weird things. So, I mean, what would be cool is if you had, could take that dolphin and, and put it through an MRI machine and see like, you know, is it. Does the two two blowholes converge into one and then go down into the the, to the trachea and the larynx um, and whatnot, or is there are there two separate tubes going down? Like what's going on inside there? Right. Don't know. But I have never in my life I've been you know studying dolphins for over twenty years now. 
never seen a dolphin with two blowholes. Wow. So that was super cool. That's that's just kind of confusing. It, it is. Like, Did they tag it? Is there any way that, I mean, or do dolphins not really show up, like, when they die? Like, are they, like, orcas where, like, you can't find their bodies unless they, like, yeah, so shore. that's the problem with cetaceans, whales, yeah. dolphins, and porpoises, is that the majority of the animals that die will will never know because they will either sink to the bottom um, or get eaten by other things before they land on shore anywhere. And uh, pentropical spotted dolphins are generally found in more open ocean, deeper areas. So wow. the ones that strand or that you find dead animals of are going to be ones that are closer to shore where the winds and the sea state will wash it up to a point where it's a fresh animal so you could actually <laughs> see what went wrong versus, you know, just a nasty carcass that pulls up. Yeah. Um, so these guys aren't ones that you you generally are going to find. Um, they're, you know, in the depth is, you know, 1,500 to 10,000 um, meters. So wow. They're not likely to, to wash up on shore. So, yeah. Yeah, I wonder. So this was off, off of Brazil is where they uh, saw this in the Atlantic. So it's pretty cool. Um, and the pictures are really cool. They're really super clear. Um, but yeah, so the dolphins got two blue holes. I thought that was really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you talking about that on our, our walk the other day. Mm-hmm. You said that the paper was poorly written. But... Well, not really like poorly <laughs> written. It's just really technically written. Ah. And so it, I guess you could think of it poorly written in that it's really hard for a lay person to read and even me? a scientific person. It was hard for me to read and I'm a marine mammal scientist. It's just, it was just very anatomical in mm-hmm. how they were explaining everything. And I, you know, I know about anatomy, but not to that detail. Of That's things. ironic though, because like they weren't able to see the actual anatomy of the animal yet. They're going into such depth about the anatomy or was it more theorizing? About it was theorizing it? about the different things and the different parts that it could be okay. connected to and that kind of stuff. And I'm like, I just have a hard time following this. You're like the blow holes connect to the. Right. The lips. I know down. the monkey lips and the goose beak and the fact that the esophagus and the trachea are separated because that's a, a thing about dolphins um, that they have. But beyond that, it got a little bit hard to follow. Uh, yeah. But, I'm like, uh, they breathe through a hole. Uh, that's all yeah. I know. So it's called a blow hole. And like that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I love how you pick animal stories. I'm I'm more naturally drawn to animal stories, but I always know you're gonna pick animal stories. And so I'm like, (laughs) I'm I need to like pick something not I'm like something I'm not interested in. Man. Desalinization of water. I didn't even think about that. I'm just like looking for scientists. Ooh, zebras. I did kind of pick my two favorite animals, dolphin and horsey type animals. So Oh, I was like zebra. Horse. That makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah. All right. Well, I love that we don't ever do science stories about what's actually like relevant because I don't want to think about virology or epidemiology. Oh yeah. That's it's too much in the daily lives right now. Yeah, it's nice to escape. This podcast is for an escape. Yes. (laughs) From reality that we all desperately need. Oh, yeah. Oh. Cool. Cindy, where can they find you? 
Uh, you can find me at <clears throat> my marine mammal research, www.pacmam.org, P-A-C-M-A-M. And we're on Instagram and Facebook, and we have podcasts and YouTube. So check us out. Yes, I, I, I download. I, I have subscribed to your podcast. Yay! Thank you. We have we have a, 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 a few, quite a few. We have like, most views are like 18, 10, 15, 20 people that are listening. So it's pretty good. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Where can I find you? Find me on Instagram at Gracie Runs. 50 by 50. That's 50x50. My health journey? I don't know. <laughs> what? Watch as I occasionally post that I ran on my treadmill, and then I will post about the races I'm not doing. <laughs> and we planned to, and then didn't do, and then now it's yeah, all. Yeah, hopefully within a year or two. I can start actually planning some races in other states because I still yeah. have yet to run in any state besides Washington. I've run in five counties, so uh-huh. um, I've run in five different counties, half marathons, but I have not. Um, with the, our one that we were going to do in Oregon got canceled, right, canceled because of wildfires, right? Yes. And and then I got pregnant, and then you got pregnant, and plantar fasciitis, and then now there's a pandemic. So yeah. I, I almost feel like it's not in the cards for me. <laughs> <laughs> I you're, gotta, ten, you're 10 years younger than me, though. You still got some time. I do, but I'm going to have to start doing <laughs> like five races a year to get it done in time <laughs> by the time this pandemic's over. Which, it do- I mean, doesn't sound like a lot, but when I'm flying to the East Coast, it sounds like a lot. Yeah, yeah. Well, especially if the, yeah, flying back and forth five times a year, that would... Well, what I would probably do is I'd go real crazy and spend, like, two weeks on the East Coast and do, yeah. like, two of two. them. Yeah. Or do one that runs through multiple states. There you go. That's what you should find. You can do that in the Northeast, too, because states are so small. So Seriously. You, you can probably do, like four of them in one day because everything's so close together yeah i go i think about that i'm like oh my gosh like when people are like oh yeah i live in ohio or or i live in indiana i'm just gonna drive to new york city i'm like what that's so far and i'm like it's not so far mm-hmm. no i, I remember that. Island. like i'm just gonna go to connecticut for a minute <laughs> like okay so because like the west coast is just so vast mm-hmm. wild wild west uh-huh each mm-hmm. state you're just like well do you have we're still seven, here do you have eight hours we could go to another state mm-hmm. just cross the border and then come on back over except now we're not going anywhere so no not anywhere than more than five feet from your house terrible oh i have i have to go farther than that but oh i know when i I'm start being working facetious. oh you facetious sarcastic don't no. never i don't know what you're talking about anyways we're tangenting a little bit we don't see each other very often and it's late. i said it's late o'clock at night it's late o'clock it is late o'clock i like that late o'clock it's so late (laughs) o'clock um so please um like our podcast subscribe to our podcast so that when we finally drop episodes you will be the first to know um did i tell you cindy i i disappointed my coworker who listens to our podcast because you, um, I think did I post something or did you post? We posted something about chemistry. Oh yeah, I think you did. And you're like, oh, he's like, oh, is that the new podcast now? Yeah, and then he's like, 
I thought there was a podcast out. You tricked me. And I'm like, sorry. Oh, because I had posted around the 4th of July about the different fireworks and the different oh, chemicals right, the different that make the different colors. Magnesium. I was like, this is really fun. And then he's like, oh, I thought there was a podcast. And I was like, oh, my one fan. Well, I'm going to have to remember how to splice it all together because it's been a while since I've done my editing. <laughs> It'll, it won't take that long, but I just have to be like, wait, okay, wait. How do I do this again? Yeah. Yeah. So um, you can listen to us. Obviously, if you're listening to us right now, you know you can listen to us at Apple Podcasts. We are also on Spotify. Uh, we are moving away from Podbean and into where? Anchor? Oh, uh, Anchor, but that it, it will, it'll, nobody, the users shouldn't have any issue yeah. With that, it should it, it it'll just migrate everything into that, and then it'll go into actually a lot of other podcast sites. That cool. <laughs> for my other podcast, it's like your podcast is now available on this, and I'm like, I've never heard of that. That's great. So there's <laughs> apparently a, just so like the money thing. Anywhere you, you get can your pay podcast. people by different money things. I'm like, I have no idea. Like Venmo and PayPal, all these different ones. There's so many of them. I don't even know. They're apparently that's Venmo. for podcasts. Hmm? I have Venmo. Yeah, I did just because I had to pay my pay somebody, but and I, there's one other one that I used, but there's like lots of them, and I didn't know. There I'm are just, a lot of them. I'm like what? I, I'm so old. I'm starting to feel old. Yeah, and I'm not this even that old. Anchor, like I, all these podcast ones, I'm like, I've never heard of these things. Like uh, this Spotify and Anchor podcast. I mean, I, I mean, uh, Apple and yeah. Google. Like, what are you talking about? Anyway, we start off. We're like, we're on YouTube. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's where we go. <laughs> all right well thank you so much for listening um i'm hoping i haven't talked to cindy about this yet but i hope we do um poisonous we do one about poisonous chem chemicals next that'll be good poisonous elements Mm -hmm. arsenic and i think that's a good one to do and some other ones like that Mm -hmm. that might be fun and by the time it comes out it might be halloween so it might be (laughs) be perfect (laughs) All those apples, they've got some arsenic in it, you know. They do, the seeds. That's right. Anyway, we'll we'll save that for the podcast. Yes, we will. So once again, thank you so much for listening. My name is Grace. My name is Cindy. And we hope that you are staying safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. Stay away from people. (laughs) And we will get through this together. Together, but socially distanced. But not together. Right. (laughs) All right. We will. You'll hear us later. Yes. (laughs) Bye. Do, 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 do.